Welcome, baseball fans. It is time once again for the Running the Bases podcast. I am Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, Falcons are 2-0. and Yes, they are. <laughs> I feel pretty good about that. How do you feel? How are you doing in general? Oh, I, well, I'm doing fine. Uh, I, I just have to see the Falcons. Uh, I need a larger sample. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm encouraged. Uh, it looks like their defense, the teams that they've played have figured out their defense in the second half each time, and they seem to be exposed. The offense uh, has pulled them through. Uh, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan have pulled them through. Uh, right. I, you know, the with the rookie running back going out, that makes them a little susceptible now for a couple of weeks. Uh, however, they're going into Dallas uh, without their quarterback, so yeah. without Dallas's quarterback. Yeah, hey, it, was, it seems as though we'll be enjoying pro football season in Atlanta more than in recent years, so. We'll see. We'll see. All right, but to baseball, the reason why we are here. Um, real quick, let's talk some Braves. Braves swept the Phillies. Is that meaningful? <laughs> uh, no. Is that even productive? Like, how important is it for the Braves to finish strong the rest of the way? Oh, I don't think so at all. I don't think – I don't see how – you know, a week and a half, you know, playing really well is going to really help them anyway whatsoever. Right. And don't you think that they should try a little bit to tank, to just finish off the tank job to get, I mean, I guess they're guaranteed the number two and they would have to really, they would have to really be bad and have Philly actually care a little bit to get number one. But um, I, I don't, in baseball, I mean, uh what was his name? Uh, who was number one when Chipper went number two? Uh, somebody named Abbott or something. Or, or, well, that know. was Chipper was number one overall ninety, but Abbott was ahead of. Uh, I think it was ahead of Jeter. Well, yeah, well, he was the one that didn't want. Uh, he told the Braves not to sign him, so we got Chipper instead. You know that was. Uh, uh-huh. I, I don't remember the whole situation, but I mean, it it's more of a crapshoot with baseball. Yeah, the draft in baseball isn't nearly on the level of importance it would seem as basketball or football and I, don't, I guess hockey as well. But you don't really hear about you know draft picks and trades as being a big deal like they are in those other sports. Too much of a developmental edge, uh, or a there's too much of a developmental situation in baseball. You don't draft a player who's ready to step in and play in the major leagues. Right. And as far as finishing strong for teams that are close to the end, why are you shaking your head? That would be a perfect segue into bonus babies. Oh, right. Well, we'll get to that. We're, we're, okay. we're going there, trust me. But I, I did have this one thing to bring up. Uh, there, you got some teams that are just finishing strong in general. Seems as though the Mariners are winning more games and White Sox just swept the Tigers. And how about Chris Sale? Um by the way, my pick for Cy Young seems to actually be working out in the American League. David Price, 8-1, and one, beat the Yankees yesterday. He's 8-1 and one since going to the Blue Jays. Do you think he's got a good shot of being uh, Cy Young over Keuchel, considering last night's performance? Yes, I do. I do, too. I hope they go with that. I'll get one of them right, at least. But it, the it finishing strong for teams that know they're not going to make the playoffs, like let's say the Diamondbacks or the Twins, how valuable is it for the mentality of that team going into next year? I think it's uh, 
probably a, a positive thing for both of those teams. They're both uh, fairly young and uh, impressionable and uh, going with a, a belief that you're going to win is certainly an aid. Yeah, but I mean, as far as like, you know, you think back to 93, like the Expos and that led into a, uh, you know, their their 94 season where they were the best team in baseball and then the strike happened. What team that you see right now um, that's finishing strong but aren't going to make the playoffs that you could project to next year is going to be a contender? Uh, it's I can't say that now because there is so much more movement uh, with rosters now than there ever used to be. Right. And uh, so it's going to really depend on uh, too much what happens during the um, off season. Right. All right. Yeah, I'm sorry, but uh, there's you can completely overturn a team now, whereas that didn't used to be a possibility. Right. Just look at the Braves. <laughs> well, so all right. So to the contenders, and let's talk about that, which is the topic again. It's been three weeks now, but Matt Harvey. Um, I'm just going to s- paraphrase this quote from Collins. Uh, he's asked about the game. Sunday night against the Yankees. They pull him at five innings, even though he's just cruising. He's up to like 75 pitches. Of course, the wheels come off immediately after that. Mets lose that game. Asking Terry Collins, he says, I hate it. I hated to have to pull him, but it's the right thing to do. And he says that Harvey hates it. They hate it, but they have to do it. So who is the they telling them to do it? If everyone actually involved in the playing of the game doesn't like the fact that they're pulling Matt Harvey at five innings. Why are they doing it? They, to begin with, are the voices in their own conscience. Uh, There is an understanding with a young arm that's been through surgery and uh, is pitching more than it ever has that it needs to be rested. You, You look at the Cardinals. Uh, throughout this year, uh, Waka has missed starts. Lynn has missed starts. Martinez has missed starts. They know what they're doing. You know, they're having them miss starts at different times throughout the season just to rest them. They're, I mean, they're, they could have pitched. Now, the Cardinals have learned the hard way. They've had Carpenter and Wainwright and all of these people go down over the years, but they, they are an organization that looks ahead that says we, uh, we need to control the amount of innings that we're pitching these pitchers, and if we don't want them to go more than 210 or 220 or whatever number, 14, whatever number they have, <laughs> they, uh, they try to manipulate the usage throughout the year. Uh, this Matt Harvey 185 innings thing that Boris has thrown on the Mets here uh, late in the season, uh, and the Mets just crumble uh, because Harvey has gone along with this arbitrary number. Uh, it's, I mean, it was, it's been atrociously conducted. Oh, I agree. Now, you're telling me something I've never heard before. Um, I don't know how I missed this, but that Matt Harvey, his whole situation is because he's a prized commodity known as a bonus baby. Oh, no, 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 no. He's not. He's not a bonus baby. Uh, 
the Bonus Babies were a, an actual group of players uh, that existed uh, between 1947 and 1965. But he is the result. The result of Matt Harvey is similar, or the in. Matt Harvey's career is being conducted by people that are not baseball people, that were not players, that were not, uh, and these people, I mean, here it's Boris, it's somebody who's coming in, and doctors and people that are coming in and that did not play the game, but are dictating how he is to be used. This is very similar to the bonus babies from 1947 to 65. Um, the bonus babies was an actual term. It was given to, uh, in the thirties and forties, uh, the farm systems were becoming way out of whack and four teams in particular, the four wealthiest teams, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Yankees, the Red Sox were buying all of the amateur talent. They, there was no amateur draft and their farm systems, uh, they often were, Often farm teams were better than major league teams in cities like Philadelphia and Kansas City and whatever. Um, and so baseball put in this, are again, kind of an arbitrary um, determination that if you signed a player for over a certain amount of money, in 47, I know it was $4,000, that's uh, roughly equivalent to $42,000 today that that player had to be on your 25-man major league roster for two years. He could not go to the minor leagues. After two years, he could then go to the minor leagues. Now, what happened, there were, and this was like you couldn't have too many people on your roster that were just sitting around waiting to play right. uh, and still be competitive. This The idea was to create somewhat of a competitive balance. The uh, And there were a lot of tremendous players that were bonus babies. Uh, Sandy Koufax uh, and Harmon Killebrew and Al Kaline and Catfish Hunter were all uh, bonus babies from this age. But we also, there were so many players that, uh, were, that did not have, uh, successful careers, partially because they never had the training at an early age that the minor leagues would, uh, provide them. Uh, right. Yeah. Just hearing it, just hearing it out loud on the surface, you get, Essentially, you get acquired by a team, but then you're not playing every day. Or you're not you're playing just enough. playing when there's a blowout. Tom Moneybags Qualters, uh, his <laughs> name should give you somewhat of an idea of the derision that was uh, provided for uh, bonus babies. Players hated them. Uh, he played for the, or he was on the 1954 Phillies all the way through. Never played, never threw a pitch in the major leagues. Uh, the and there's so many other cases like this. No wait, this he never pitched ever. Period, ever. Period, but, he, I'm in. but he stayed on a major league roster for a full year. Uh and never threw a pitch in the major leagues. Uh there were 
I mean, there there was a Kofax and a Killebrew, the K-Line, and the Catfish Hunter. Uh, at another era, Steve Carlton was a bonus baby as well. Those are your really only uh, Hall of Famers. But there were a lot of other good players. Uh, Johnny Antonelli, Joey Jay, uh, Mo Drabowski, Billy O'Dell, Lindy McDaniel. So many of those are so many of these players that were successful. If you look at their careers... A lot of them, or a lot of the pitchers, were relief pitchers. Uh, Drabowski and McDaniel and, uh, and Odell. I don't know if this is, maybe you need uh, more time in the major leagues to, uh, or I mean in the minor leagues, to learn how to stretch out your arm uh, properly so you can throw 200 innings. And this gets back to the Matt Harvey thing. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of throwing that out uh, and looking at, the names. Now, a a little side note to all of this that I think has to be uh, at least breached here is that this period between uh, 1947 and 1958, of all of the bonus babies during that whole period, not one of them was a player of color. Now, and you look at the players that did sign during this time, your Frank Robinsons, your Orlando Cepedas, your Bob Gibsons, your Roberto Clemenes, McCovey, Billy Williams, all during this period, you're telling me that nobody thought they might be a good player or that they might be worthy of a bonus? <laughs> the, obviously, there is a, a racial element to this, thinking that uh, players of color at this time didn't deserve the money that other people, or that they could sign them. And who knows? Uh, the uh, I think that's as a matter of fact. All right, uh, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but the uh, the bonus baby system uh, ended first in 1958. But when expansion came around, again in 1962, from 1962 to 1965, the bonus baby uh, situation was reinstated. Uh, At this time, they didn't have to remain on the roster for two years. It was just one year. Uh, The last bonus baby ever was Willie Crawford, the first person of color to uh, become a bonus baby. Was the term bonus baby a... Uh, executive level term, or was that kind you of? You could a... even see it on the back of baseball cards. Really, Tops b- baseball cards would identify people like Al Kaline as bonus babies. Wow! And again, it was just these were the players that got these bonuses because they were so highly touted. And so, you think that the racial element was they wanted to keep the, you know, because again, only one owner wanted the color barrier to be removed. So we have all these owners in this time period who are still harboring this racist outlook. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And we're not talking, I mean, we're talking like in 1964, nobody has signed a player of color. I mean, uh, now there is a period there between 58 and 62 where bonus babies weren't around. Uh, but, uh, cause the whole idea is absurd. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, just, you're going to learn to play just because you're around all of these crusty right. old veterans, you know, that they're, that's going to give you the conditioning that you need. Uh, now, not to be, you know, there were people like Al Kaline who just started off leading the league right away. Uh, sure. 
there was yeah that him. turned out all right yeah there, there was him but Koufax, <laughs> as you reminded me it actually took him famously a Se- few yeah several years so uh, that was i mean and uh Killebrew actually went down to the minor leagues i oh, mean yeah. he went through the two years you know kind of apprentice uh position then goes to the minor leagues and then comes up and then be, uh, has a hall of fame career yeah. uh, you have to learn how to play as a major league you cannot I like to consider myself uh, fairly knowledgeable about baseball. I would uh, say so. As as a <laughs> as a coach, I was okay. I had uh, early on, early on, before I coached high school, I had a uh, traveling team that uh, one of my two best players on this team was Tim Osborne. Uh, his father, Bo Osborne was head of major league scouting in the southeast or something like this had been a major league catcher for uh 11 12 15 years something he was with the tigers he was he, he caught and played first base but during this time he's behind bill freehand and norm cash the whole time uh the uh, good I, company still uh, yeah. oh yeah i mean and at this time you know there are eight teams in a league you know and uh to have remained as a backup in the major league he had to be a heck of a player and i, and I have lots of bo osborne stories right but uh i remember going to him we had there was one player on the team kind of an uh awkward catcher who had a pretty quick bat um we were a very good team but i went to him and this guy went through a slump and uh and Bo would always sit there uh, watching the team. Never, he wouldn't interfere. Never offered me any advice or anything. And uh, never, uh, he, you know, he didn't cheer and wasn't uh, like behind Tim all the time. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, I think I've, I've my reaction to watching my own son play. I tried to kind of emulate Bo Osborne, but uh, I went to Bo one time and I said, "I don't know why this kid, let's call him Jeff, uh, is not hitting." So you call him Jeff. He was Jeff. Uh, <laughs> and, well, that worked out pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Why well, wasn't hitting? And Bo immediately. Well, he's pulling his shoulder out, but he's keeping his hip in, uh, and he's not rolling his his top hand over. Like he knew exactly what, and he saw so much more than I saw. So much more. Uh, at the time, I and it. And then he went through different people on the team, and I was like, oh, I, I don't know anything, you know. I don't deserve to live, you know. I mean, uh, it was uh, a major league's eyes, uh, I mean, and a veteran. I mean, this guy, you know, really, uh, I know he was second in the American Association in hitting one year to Carl Yastrzemski. Uh, but um, at, at any rate, and Tim – his son was the smartest player I ever coached at any time throughout. Uh, he, w- he could famously, he wasn't famous for this, but uh, he used to do delayed steals all the time. Uh, how many times have you seen a delayed steal in your life? I was going to say, I, never? We, we, Somewhere between never and like one? Tim would do, would do a delayed steal every other game. It was It, it was incredible. Yeah, running the bases, a lost art. And we're bringing that art back, clearly. Well, okay, so there's the value. And for someone like a Bo Osborne, I mean, you see this, that that development starts in the minors and classically. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, And now there were the... 
the idea of this keeping uh, you know players up. Uh, for a couple of years, I understand how you know this is kind of uh, like the arbitration system where the owners were putting something on to control themselves. Uh, but and even at that point, even while they're trying to do this, they're abusing it themselves. They, there would be people that I mean, the abuse was was open. Uh, all of a sudden, you'd have this bonus uh, player. He would have a mysterious injury and would be on the disabled list for a long period of time with this like dislocated, you know, yeah. thorax or something. <laughs> and uh, the uh, and, and people like ah, hmm, hmm. the uh, <laughs> that's a pretty serious injury. We yeah. better uh, keep him on the DL uh, for a while. And there were also under the table bonuses still going on. You have to know this happened, uh, but. Perhaps the most famous case of all of this was Cleet Boyer. Uh, Great the, name. Uh, well, Cleet Boyer is the you know Ken Boyer, Cloyd Boyer family. Cleet Boyer is still to this day the best fielding third baseman I've ever seen, and that's including Brooks Robinson. Um, High praise. The, yes, it is. Uh, and I'm not alone in thinking that. But Cleet Boyer, uh, the athletics uh, – had the Kansas City Athletics in particular had long been considered a farm team of the New York Yankees. Uh, the uh, I think it was Dick Hauser who went for Roger Maris, uh, you know, uh, and and Dale Long. I think I'm not certain, but I think both of them, uh, not Dale Long. Uh, I don't remember anyway. But uh, Cleet Boyer was a bonus baby for the Kansas City Athletics. And he played for a couple of years, the minimal amount of time, uh, and, you know, in blowouts, you know, 20 at-bats a year or something. Uh, and then when it becomes time, June 4th, where they can send him to the minor leagues at this point, a couple of days after that, he gets traded to the Yankees as the player to be named later in a trade that was made a year earlier. Uh, <laughs> they clearly had planned all of this. They're paying Boyer and everything. They, the Yankees just couldn't give up a roster spot for somebody that they think is still a couple of years away. They were using the athletics as their farm system. Uh, so the whole bonus baby thing is a joke. We needed a draft. We got one, you know, and uh, but yeah. The uh, but the whole thing. This is it's so similar to what we have pe- non-baseball people determining what is good for uh, the game, what is good for the team, what is good, and uh, uh, looking at invest players as investments, not as people that need to be developed as athletes. Uh, and there's so much of that that's just uh, uh, it, it's. The wrong people are making decisions. Well, in this bonus, in the era of the bonus babies, who is it that was making the decisions that were not baseball people? Because obviously now you can point yeah, a finger. These, these are the owners coming together to, uh, I mean, and they were trying to police the richer teams, uh, quite frankly. But they were, this was a system that they were going to use to kind of bring somewhat, some kind of equality to the game, some sort of parity. Uh, by not allowing the rich teams like the Cardinals and the Yankees to go out and buy everybody. Right. So this comes to an end, and it comes to an end more or less because of 
Like what brought about the end of the bonus baby just in general? The they knew how corrupted it had become. Uh, they being the other baseball in general. Uh, I mean, so like it, commissioner's office, right, and, and everything. I mean, and probably was, players as well. Players right. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, it was. Uh, I, I, you know, the, and baseball is going through big changes then uh, in '65 and '66. Marvin Miller is starting to show a face. You know, uh, Kurt Flood is saying, "I'm not gonna, uh, you know, do this." I mean, that's only two years away. You know, so I mean, you know, it, it's uh, it's the '60s. You know, yeah. I mean, really, th- that had a lot to do with it. Well, okay, so let's let's project that forward to now. Well, what what does Commissioner Manfred? Where should he be involved with all of this? Because isn't this bad for the game that we're so clear? You know, it's so out in the open that Matt Harvey is being dictated by his agent, who is the spawn of Satan, and doctors and not baseball people. Like, should the commissioner's office step in on things like this? Or if you go back to the beginning of the season with the Chris Bryant issue, bringing a player up to save a year down the road? Yeah. Uh, that that's a totally different thing. I mean, uh, kind of similar, about, you know. You're, you're, I mean, uh, we saw the, you know, we might have won one more pennant with Tommy Hansen, you know, before the middle of May. Yeah, in '09. Uh, but hey, Jojo Reyes. I mean, yeah, uh, how great was <laughs> yeah, <no>. he? Question <laughs> mark. But like I mean, Matt Harvey, I I'd have to look up his numbers here, and I'll I'll, I'll get on that. But you know, how long was he in the minors? Uh, not, developing, not terribly long. I yeah. mean, he's a young guy now. Yeah, he's and 26 now. He has, I mean, I, I don't question uh, a a pitch or uh, a, well, as I said before, I, I don't believe in innings as dictating things uh, because uh, innings by certain people are not the same as innings by other people. Uh Matt Harvey has thrown a lot less pitches in 185 innings than most pitchers uh, because he is so efficient. He is, uh, and particularly for a strikeout pitcher, uh, just remarkably so. Um, but still, if whatever, if you're going to have a pitch limit, uh, a year's worth of pitch limits on a player, which makes more sense, uh, then you work at it throughout the year. You don't just throw it all at the end uh, as the Mets have done, as the Nationals have done uh, and teams have done in the past. Uh, but you do like the Cardinals have. Sit them for a couple of, uh, you know, what is, why was Waka sitting for two starts in a row? Why was Martinez starting for sitting for two starts in a row? Why? Because they have those pitchers ready to pitch right now. Yeah, and who's made more ground in the last week in that division? The the best division in baseball. Who's been winning? Who? I mean, even with Yachty going down, who is looking the strongest down the stretch? Well, in the last week or so, I'd actually say the Cubs. But you're right; it is the Cardinals because it's always the Cardinals. And you look at the injuries they've sustained this year, just in general. Yeah, they they're best prepared and. It's infuriating. Sure it is. Um, looking here, Matt Harvey spent all of like a year and a half in the minor leagues. He, 2011 all year, and then 2012 he's up with the big league club by the end of the year. So, again, so let's go back to this issue about non-baseball people controlling 
his outcome or his conditioning, his career, as it were right now, who should step in and stop this? Or can anybody no, step I, I in? And- I, I don't know that you can stop it. You know, and I, I'm not saying that it is the best thing to stop it. It's just been poorly conducted throughout this year. Now, I again, I uh, I know some of it has to do with max effort and all this sort of stuff and the bullpens and blah 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 blah. Uh, but the uh, I I have a hard time believing that. Uh, 185 pitches or 185 innings uh, when, you know, I, I watch Koufax throw 350 innings every year for oh, years, sure. you know, I mean, and a different time. Uh, and that 185 is like stressful. Um, now, that said, you know, Warren Spahn, nobody thought about the innings he threw because nobody thought about the pitches he threw. Uh, he was going to get you out in three pitches because uh, he wasn't trying to strike anybody out. Uh, that's you know, it's a different it's a different time. You know. Well, okay, so that, given that, I mean, we we talking a little revisionist history earlier. You know, let's say that the Mets this year. I mean, is it safe to say that maybe the Mets at the beginning of the year just didn't believe in themselves enough? Is it something oh. as psychological as that? Because, well, you know, if, if you're uh, yeah. saying 180 so innings at the beginning of the year. Well, I don't think they, but you see, I don't think this like line in the sand was drawn earlier in the year. You see, I think uh, Boris and uh, the doctors and Harvey and everything have brought this up late to the Mets. Now, I think the I Mets, Mets should have realized that we really don't, we want to, I mean, and I'll give the Nationals credit, even though we are talking about all of these people, Zimmerman and uh, Strasburg. Strasburg and everything. They all do seem to have the same agent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Curious uh, to say. Uh, but the, uh, I, at least they were working uh, toward a certain number of, uh, earlier in the year, they were. Yeah. Uh, they said this from the beginning. Uh, it wasn't just thrown on them at the end. Uh, regardless, both of these teams have held, have handled this poorly uh, when compared to other organizations who seem to be. Uh, look, I mean, even look at the Royals, uh, who have worked with what they have done with Medlin this year, uh, and Medlin really hasn't found anything yet, uh, but. You know, I, I can, I, and that's two Tommy John surgeries, by the way. Yeah, right. For right. those and, keeping and, score at home, and he may not ever come back from the second one. You know, he hasn't really uh, shown that same ability yet. But um, there are organizations that have handled this a lot better than the Mets have. Well, that's 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 the God's honest truth on that. Um, you look at Steven Strasburg's 2012 year. 15 and 6 with a 316 ERA. Let's do some revisionist history then. What if Strasburg is allowed to pitch regular? They don't have an innings limit at all. That they're doing it by just monitoring his pitch count per game, you know, seeing how he reacts in side sessions. Where do you think that the Nationals could have gone? You think that that's worth the World Series? Oh, I think uh you give him two more starts and they're in the world. They could be in the World Series. Yeah, and, and I don't. Uh, I don't think two more starts would have hurt Strasburg. Okay. Now let's look at um, 
the Mets now they've seen this. This is recent history, 2012, and yet still they're acting this way. So who really gets the blame within the Mets? Alderman. Um, it, could, it could be uh, the uh, it is somebody has not uh, brought this to Terry Collins. It's not Collins' fault. Your job Clearly. as a manager is to win every game you can. Uh, and, uh, you, I, I, I don't, bl- uh, I don't blame Collins. Uh, I don't think anybody, uh, if they had told Collins at the beginning of the year that you have this many innings that you can pitch, uh, Matt Harvey, I believe that he would, uh, unless, you know, he's being completely rebellious, you know, I mean, uh, then he would have monitored his innings better. Again, I don't think innings are the issue. I think it's pitches. Well, right, uh, yeah. But uh, whatever. I um, and the uh, they, they would have skipped a start here or there. Uh, and that's really the key. Yeah. If this has been a plan all year, as soon as they realized that they were still in contention, they would have started to do this. I agree with that. The, uh, now, they had another problem. Matt Harvey at the beginning of the year was such a draw uh, for the, the Mets. I mean, he was the dark knight. He was who everybody was going to see uh, and selling out uh, Shea Stadium for the first time in some time. Uh, City Field. Yeah, or City Field. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be, uh, be difficult to sell out Shea. Yeah. Uh, and uh, David Wright was down. Or know, really the, easy, depending on how yeah, you're looking right, at it. Yeah, that's true. But anyway. Uh, David yeah, Wright was down. I mean, you know, it was it looked fairly, uh, even though they had all these young pitchers. I mean, everybody was giving it to the Nationals early, so you know. Uh, but still, there something should have been communicated with this uh, to Terry Collins. Now, who whether it was Alderman who didn't say this, whether he didn't come up with a plan, or Boris just dropped these innings on them. Uh, at a later time, what I you know I don't know. We and I don't think anybody knows. Yeah. Well, if the Mets, I mean, let's do a hypothetical. You're the owner of the Mets. I mean, would you, especially as an ex ball player, ex athlete, and I'm not, you know, but yeah, I know you get sarcastic about this, so I'm not gonna fault you for never making it past college. Um. Because I never even got, you know, in Little League. So there you go. Um, If you have this mentality as an owner, like, well, you know what? I want to win as opposed to protecting my commodity. Like, wouldn't you rather win? And then it's like, well, sorry, Matt Harvey, if you leave in a couple of years, because he might just leave anyway. You know, it's like it's like with Washington right now. Strasburg's a free agent in 17, I think it is. And his agent is none other than Scott Boris. He's probably, you know, he may very well walk. And now how much are you, <laughs> well, all right. How I much mean, is your master plan of saving him in 2012 for the long term working out? You know, a lot of this has to do with your relationship with the player, but we do know that, uh, Boris always has his players, uh, or his clients test the free agent market. Some of them signed back. Uh, as far as I know, the only one who has not tested free agency is Maddox. Right. Yeah. Uh, the uh, there may have been somebody in recent years that hasn't, but uh, so uh, Harvey, who wants, uh, who likes the New York lifestyle and everything, even there, there's another New York team 
that, yeah, that perhaps does spend money. Uh, so, well, you know, I, I don't, how goes your decision? Well, it's, it's all a crapshoot. Yeah. Well, and I understand his value to the Mets as is, as the dark Knight. you know, they're trying to formulate the superhero pitching staff with Thor and whatever, you know, but that aside, um, so I understand that that added value to the Mets to have a iconic player or a growing iconic player, but let's look at Greg Maddox, Greg Maddox, told his agent what he wanted to do. Matt Harvey, don't you think that somewhere down inside he doesn't like the fact that he's being treated like a commodity? So if he doesn't like it, why doesn't he just say to him, look, man, I'm not cool with this. I'm going to go out Greg Maddox told his, the same agent, what he was going to do after he was pretty much locked into the Hall of Fame already and had won (laughs) several Cy Youngs. Uh, Well, now, uh, wait a minute. He could have gone to the Yankees. Oh, I'm not talking about right off. I'm talking about when he signed the... uh, No, I'm not talking about that sign. I'm not talking when we signed him, but when he... Uh, second he con- became a, a free agent, and then we had to sign him for a max deal for one more year. Uh, when he kind of manipulated the whole thing, that uh, the uh, so I mean, you know, he is the professor for a reason. Yeah, he was smarter than Boris, you know, when it gets to that <laughs> part of the game as well. Uh, but he got more money than Boris was going to get for him uh, <laughs> from the true. team he was staying. He didn't have to move. Uh, <laughs> the uh, he could keep his golf dates. Uh, the uh, but I, I you can't you can't I, I I refuse to even think about Greg Maddox and Matt Harvey in the same uh, you know they're totally different types of pitchers commodities at different points in their career and everything else. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I mean it just I mean the way that history is repeating itself is just you know it, I mean and, and look at how well bonus babies worked out. Um, all right, let's, let's go to the, let's go to the, we'll go third to home here or coming into home rather. Um, looking to October, which is all of two weeks away, the Mets are in a division series. They're playing the Dodgers. Where does Matt Harvey fall into their rotation? How many times do you use him? How long do you let him go? And do you take all the restrictions off and let him go max effort? No, no. Well, no, uh, not to go max effort. He used to pitch his normal way. He, I mean, when you don't, when you start trying to change things, that's when you, uh, when Dizzy Dean tried to compensate for a broken toe, he threw out his arm. Uh, <laughs> the uh, and you can't do that. He's got to pitch the way he pitches. Now, if I don't think they should let him go that long. You know, uh, I have no problem with him taking him out after five innings the other night. Uh, that's okay. Uh, I think it, again, it should be pitches, not innings, uh, so that he is rested going into the postseason. But once he's in the postseason, you pitch him like a healthy starter on your staff. He can get, he should get two starts uh, each series. Uh, that they happen to make it to. He doesn't have to pitch number one. DeGrom can go number one. Uh, but And they can let Nice pitch uh, a game somewhere. So, I mean, he doesn't have to pitch three in three games. But if they need him two in every series uh, to win the World Series, that's what he does. Right. And you're right about their strength at this point is the same strength they've had since the beginning of the year, their excess of pitching. So, but, you, I mean, you're saying – 
two. He's got to pitch two games to be. If they need him to pitch two games in each series, to, you know, then that's what he's got to do. Then you damn well do it. All right, so we've kind of had a, a, a rash of injuries this week um, that have that are going to severely affect certain pennant races. Maybe let's start with uh, Yadier Molina. How much does that affect the Cardinals, considering what happened after he went out in the postseason last year? I don't think there is a more significant Cardinal player than Yadier Molina. I think he is the most important person on the Cardinal team. He, When he catches, the staff has a lot lower ERA. Uh, they are a lot better pitching staff when he is behind the dish. And uh, he's not going to be behind the dish, so... Uh, I'm not. Maybe they don't throw out as many people. Maybe they don't have as much production from the catcher. But their pitching staff is not going to be as good. Yeah, and pitching wins in October. So, I mean, it, how does this pitching hurt? wins all the time? Doesn't it? I mean, yeah, go ahead. That's true. Yes, you're right. Um, but so okay. So with if Yadier Molina is out in a series against the Pirates, for example. I mean, uh, where does that change the odds? Do you think it becomes a push as far as who wins that series? Or like if they if they square off against the Dodgers, uh, uh, I, I think you have to give uh, the Dodgers the edge right now because of their two start uh, their one and two pitchers. Even though Kershaw's not had been very successful in the uh, postseason, but they have to be given the edge right now. I have to give it to the Cardinals because they are the Cardinals, but that makes no sense. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't care if their whole team is injured. Somehow or another, the Cardinals are going to be there at the end. So Okay. Uh, so, all right. So, it remain to be seen about that. But the Yan- about Yadier's injury affecting them in the playoffs. But Yankees, on the other hand, they're hoping to get Nathan Avaldi fired back up, and now it looks like he may be gone for the whole year. So if he is gone for the whole year, your thoughts on that? Uh, I think the rest that the hurts year. him significantly. I mean, the last, uh, I think he was their number one. Uh, the I think Tanaka has been throwing with a good deal of smoke and mirrors recently. Uh, Sabathia has, his last seven starts or so have been strong, but uh, I, you know, I don't want to hang my star on CC right now. He's, you know, uh, that star is a little rusty. Uh, so a little overweight too. Yeah. But <laughs> well, he said that was going to help him this year. Uh, the, um, he's still pitching and it is late September. So yeah, I guess until there's some to too. Cologne, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, we've gone over this. There are a lot of pitchers. You don't worry about their weight. Yeah. Um, and we totally forgot about Cologne and talking about the Mets yeah, and well, their excess of pitching. <laughs> I mean, he really is the key. Let's be honest. He's their secret weapon. Oh geez, uh, the uh, you know I, I don't think I didn't think much of the Yankees' chances anyway. You know, uh, right? The uh, and with any kind of dent in their pitching staff makes it next to impossible for them. Not next to impossible, but very difficult. Yeah. All right, and then this last one, uh, uh, the Pirates, Pirates shortstop Kong uh, gets knocked out by Chris Coglin. And he's gone for the year. A, was it a dirty slide? And B, how much does this affect the Pirates? I couldn't tell you whether it was a dirty slide or not. Yeah. Do you think that targeted slides to break up double plays, do you think that they need to be addressed? No. Yeah. I mean, it's 
It, it, it's on par though with the you have to have a clear lane to home plate. You don't I think, think it needs to be changed, but I, do you think it might be changed? I think the uh, the rule for the or changing the rule for sliding into home. I think that was a knee jerk reaction. I'm not in favor of that. Uh, now I have, you know, I coached in high school for years where you uh, had to slide. You couldn't. Uh, there couldn't be collisions at the plate, uh, and you taught around it. But I, I didn't. I don't think that. I think doing this after the Posey injury was too much of a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, and so, so Kong being out to the Pirates, though, how much does that affect the Pirates? I don't think a, a great deal. I don't either. Uh, of those I, three injuries, I think that that's the least impact. Yeah, I think the Pirates. Uh, it's. I think their infield is rather insignificant. I think it's their pitching staff and their outfield, uh, and, uh, and really behind the plate uh, this year. Th- that's been what has brought them to the promised land, so to speak. All right. Which I think tonight they could clinch their third postseason in a row. First time in a couple of decades. Yeah, yeah. First time since 90, 90 through 92. Um, well, all right. Well, you know, this is – this is the best time of year by far. So, And uh, as always, thank you to everyone listening on our website, runningthebases.com. And you can always download these podcasts on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Leave your comments. Let us know what you would like us to talk about as we move forward into October and then into the offseason. And so there you have it. So for Coach Bounds, I'm Tucker Wells. This is the Running the Bases podcast coming into home. And we're safe. Good night, Coach. Good night.